My uncle was the sheriff of a small town in New Mexico. He was the most hardcore person in our family, super straight-laced, never really into BS and wasn't at all a joker. So when he told this story, backed up by my aunt, we all believed it without question. A local reporter named Bob D would always show up at any major police activity from the police scanner. Big car wrecks, fires, anything worth reporting in the local paper. Everybody on the force knew Bob D, he was around at least once or twice a week at various police activities. Bob was a bit of a joker himself. He would mess with people by flicking behind their ears. People would react to the flicks, thinking it was a bug, only to turn around and see it was Bob jerking around. Everybody liked Bob. Unfortunately, Bob had bad lung cancer and died pretty suddenly. His wife buried him, against his wishes, he wanted to be cremated. For the next couple of weeks, after his funeral, people kept talking about seeing Bob at car wrecks, fires, all the same stuff he used to report on. There were 20 to 30 reports like this from civilians and members of the force. My uncle didn't buy it. Until the night he and my aunt arrived at our door, gun drawn and as pale as paper. We asked him what the hell happened, and he had to sit down, take his breath, compose himself, and start to outline what happened. Note, this is a guy that I never saw get rattled by anything. He said. My aunt, and he were sitting on the couch in their house watching TV. My uncle kept scratching at his ear, over and over. Finally, my aunt asked him what the problem was, and he turned around just in time to see their bedroom door open. Bob D was standing there in the doorway. Clear as day. My uncle jumped up, cussed or something, and got my aunt's attention, who turned to see him there too. As soon as they both made eye contact with him, Bob smiled, turned, walked across the living room and out their front door. He closed the door behind him and was gone. My uncle got control of himself and ran outside. Gunner went looking for Bob, but he was gone. At that point, they ran over to our place. We went over there and didn't see anything, but my aunt and uncle stayed at our place that night. At work the next day, all the guys on the force were giving my uncle lots of we told you so. People around town said they saw Bob D show up at police scenes for at least another two-thirds months. My dad saw him in our darkroom in our basement with a friend. He was flicking their ears in the dark. During the third month, people that saw him kept saying he was looking worse and worse. My uncle saw him two more times, each time confirming that he was looking more and more worn. My dad had concluded that he was decomposing and his ghost was reflecting that process. Every time my ear itches, I get goosebumps. My dad was a cop for 32 years. This was one of his craziest calls. A call goes out for reported screaming. It's mid-January, important later. My father and another office respond to find a known deranged individual, very long rap sheet and has been in and out of psychiatric care for years, sitting on the front porch holding a double-sided wood splitting axe. Steam is coming up off the grass and there are chunks lying all over the lawn. Upon interviewing the suspect, he admitted that he and a friend were playing poker. The suspect was losing nearly every hand and came to the conclusion that his friend was a haint, southern for ghost, and was cheating him. The suspect grabbed the axe and chased his friend outside and hacked him into dozens of pieces, thus causing the warm blood to create steam on the grass. My dad tells the suspect that he needs to get in the police car because it's haint proof. He said the suspect dropped the axe and sprinted to get in the back seat while thanking them for helping him. When I was on patrol, I never responded or saw anything paranormal. I worked in a county that was very rural and did see weird lights once. When I worked as a detention officer, our ADSEG inmates were housed in the oldest part of the jail, not super old, built in the early 80s, and we would allow inmates to go to the TV room individually. Another officer and I were doing our hourly scan at about 11 and we heard someone knock on the TV room door. We both gave each other the holy s look, thinking we had left an inmate in the TV room because we turned them off for the facility at 10. We looked in and the lights were off and it was pitch black with nobody in the room. If something had popped up in the window, 
We would have it ourselves, I am sure. We both told everyone and they had no problem believing it. I knew of two hangings that had occurred down there for sure. We also had courthouse cameras that we watched in the back control room, and more than once we saw lights turn on in the middle of the night, and every once in a while we would get alarm calls that we would have to clear. I never saw anything, but it was always creepy to walk around a blacked out courthouse built in the 1800s. I worked as a police officer in a small town in rural Nebraska. Back in the 90s, I was patrolling through town in the winter. We had several abandoned houses in town, but one seemed to have the attraction of copper thieves, so we were told to keep an eye on it. I drove by it around 7 p.m. Since it sat on a corner lot, I had a clear view of all four sides of the house. As I drove around the corner, nothing looks out of the ordinary. About two hours later, I drive by again, and the back door is wide open. I know that the back door was not open when I drove by it earlier. Looking at the snow on the ground around the house, there were no footprints. So I thought what the hell? Call dispatch, tell them I'm investigating an open door at that address, and ask for a county sheriff to start my way. I walk to the open door, pull out my flashlight, and shine it inside. The house has obviously been gutted for the most part. The plaster walls have been torn down. Debris piles up everywhere. Since there were no footprints in the snow around the door other than mine, and with all the dust on the floor not showing any footprints, I chalked it up to the wind, or maybe the door just opened on its own. I was about to secure the door when I heard a loud thump come from upstairs and what sounded like kids laughing. So I entered the house and yelled out, Police department, come downstairs. More of what sounds like kids playing. I tell dispatch that it sounds like there are kids in the house and start making my way through the kitchen into the living room where the stairs are. All the while cautiously checking the main floor. I hear something upstairs two more times, but since I've had no response, I start thinking maybe it's an animal. Still, I hear what I'd swear was kids laughing. I head upstairs and it all gets quiet. The upstairs is relatively small, with a hallway at the top of the stairs that has one bedroom on the right one straight ahead at the end of the hall, and one on the left. As I get to the top of the stairs, I hear a thump in the bedroom to my left. I carefully peek around the door and it's an empty room with a small pile of plaster and wood debris in the middle. No kidding, sitting on top of the pile of debris was a page torn out of a child's book with a picture of a police officer on it. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I got out of that room, quickly cleared the other rooms upstairs, and got the F out of there. Told dispatch no. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Nobody was in the house, locked the back door and never went back in there again. In college, some friends of mine managed to snag a rental agreement for an apartment inside a very old historic house. The day before moving in, one friend backs out, saying the house is just too creepy. As a result, I was offered her spot on the lease. I needed a week or so to pack my things, but my friends went ahead and moved in. The first night there in the house, they call the cops, 1am, because they hear a couple screaming at one another in the apartment upstairs. By the time the cops arrive, the fighting has stopped and the couple is refusing to answer the door. The police call the property manager to get permission to enter the premise, 
Because at this point, my friends have convinced the police that this screaming couple has murdered each other. The property manager informs the police that the unit is empty. No one lives there. The manager comes anyways to let the police in. They search the unit and find no one. No signs of break-in, nothing. The police were thoroughly annoyed with my friends and didn't investigate any further. The next night, my friends heard the fighting couple again around 1 a.m. Instead of calling the cops, my friends booked at the hell out of that house, and we all rented somewhere else. RIP $500 deposit and last month's rent. My dad is a retired police lieutenant from a very small town where he grew up. Growing up, we couldn't go anywhere in town without two or three people stopping us to chat. He literally knows everyone. One night, he got a call from a man he knew who owned several apartment buildings in our town. He had found one of his residents dead, and I can't remember exactly if it was ruled a suicide or homicide, but it was violent. He ran into the landlord a month or two later and asked how everything was going with the apartment. The landlord told him that the first person who came to check out the place was a woman who was relocating from a different state. When he met her for the walkthrough, she stopped dead in her tracks as soon as she entered the front room, froze for a moment, then started screaming, something terrible happened here. Somebody died in this room. My father is an absolute non-believer when it comes to the paranormal. He always got annoyed when I confessed my intuitions and sensitivity to him, so I'm surprised he ever shared this story with me. My uncle was a cop in Southern California for 30 years, and the town where he worked had a very old cruise ship docked, which was rumored to be haunted. The way he told the story was that security for the ship, now a museum, called 911 for a burglary into one of their rooms that some fifth grader was staying in during their field trip, it's a thing the ship does, they host children to stay on the ship and do tours, the whole nine yards. Anyways, he got there, saw the room was turned over, and asked if they had a security system. Supposedly, the security guard acted mortified, showed him the footage, and no one entered the room all day. They rewinded till when the kids first left the room and no one entered. I thought, well maybe the kids made the mess before they left, but according to their chaperone, it was spotless before they left and stuff was missing. There was an inner cabin, as well. It's kind of a local legend now among the guys in the force, and there's still no explanation. As an NYPD cop, I've been called to many fake calls. I believe in the paranormal myself, but I'd like to see my cop buddies read the Miranda rights to a ghost. I've been called to a house in Northern Brooklyn, where this woman claimed to have seen a suicide happen. We checked out the entire neighborhood and spent days searching everywhere. Basements, attics, sewers, closets, nothing turned up. Things slowed down for a bit till she contacted me with a news clipping of a suicide. Sometime back in the 60s, the old owner of her house committed suicide, because he heard the voices. Pretty spooky, huh? My dad was a cop. He told me about this really old lady who lived alone whose husband had died. She believed her husband was taken by aliens. She would call a couple of times a week saying that the aliens were searching for her. And about to take over her brain. Stuff like that. My dad usually takes the call. After a few times, he took the call with his friend. When they got there, they would always check around and tell her it's okay. After a while, my dad's friend got tired of coming here all the time and went in her kitchen and gave her a metal bowl to put over her head, saying it blocks the alien signal from getting to her brain. After that, the calls went from a few times a week to a few times every two weeks. And every time they got called there, they would give her ideas to stop the aliens, and eventually she stopped calling. My uncle is a retired police officer. He told me once that this local lady, known for being kind of nuts, would call in complaints about things like her picture frames being moved, her pepper being stolen out of the shaker, 
and a bunch of other weird things. She first thought that someone was breaking in, and after getting a deadbolt on her door, became convinced it was the ghost of her dead husband. I'm pretty sure she's just nuts, though. Actually, it's kind of sad. I am not a police officer, but my grandfather, who was part of the story, had been, and the police were, obviously, involved. My grandparents moved into a smart terraced house in what was then a mining boom town. Their neighbor was a butcher. He had a shop in the single high street which ran through the narrow valley town. They lived further up the hillside where the housing had been constructed. A little further down the hill, just above the main road, was a social club. It sold cheap beer to the colliers and businessmen. My grandparents' neighbor had some sort of apprentice, and this kid was about 17, or younger. He did not normally open up the shop himself, as the boss was normally there himself at an early hour. This particular day, the boss wasn't there when the kid showed up. So he guessed maybe there was something wrong. He walked up the hill to the man's house, looked through the window, and saw something nasty. The butcher had turned his wife and daughters into joints, which were laid out neatly on the front room table, and killed himself. There were inquiries to find out what anybody knew of the man's actions the night before, and the patrons of the club stated that although the man concerned was not known as a heavy drinker, he had been in the club the night before. He had drunk a pint or so, then left. He returned an hour or so later in a state of distress, and drank a lot more very quickly. So, where does the paranormal bit come in? My grandmother wasn't very happy about staying where she was. She was a religious lady who was also, sort of, dominant. And by that time, my grandfather was well on his way to becoming what he considered a rich man by local standards. They moved out to a smarter place. What happened to the house where this all happened? Well, according to our family story, before my grandparents moved out, the neighbor's house was sold to the most unobservant, unconcerned, thick-headed man in the town. The local milkman when my relatives asked him if he had ever felt uncomfortable living in a house where such a tragedy had occurred, he said no. We hear the kids running up and down the corridor upstairs now and again. My dad served for 25 years. One night, he gets a call from a woman who says her neighbor has made a pact with the devil. The woman calling is about 35 and a religious wacko. The neighbor called was about 75 at the time. My dad went over and knocked on the door, and the old lady answered, all happy, nice place decorated the same way for the past 50 years. She invites my dad in without even asking why he came, makes him some coffee, and asks how his day was. Naturally, at this point, my dad was wondering what the heck the call was about, but it came clear soon. At some point, my dad realizes he isn't the only person she is talking to, and that she thinks her apartment is full of people. My dad thanks her for the coffee, and she tells him to come back anytime. The whole time she was talking, he was writing down the names of the people she was talking to, and doing some research on her when he got back. It turns out she was talking to family members who were all dead. She had a daughter, three sons, a brother and a husband. All were dead, and she had no family or friends. She hadn't spoken to another person in years. Her groceries were delivered, and she rarely left her apartment. Over the next 19 years, my dad took care of her. My sister and I came over all the time and just sat and talked with her. She even taught me how to cook. Over the years, she stabilized and stopped talking to her deceased relatives. She just needed people to live with. She actually lived till she was 94 and died in the guest room of my parents' house since it had become harder to take care of her from a distance as she got closer to the end. She was like a grandma to us. I was called to a residence out in the boonies, this was in Wyoming, so the boonies are really the boonies, at about 11 p.m. about suspicious activity. When we get there, we are told by the family living there that there are very strange screams coming from a creek area about 1,000 feet away. And sure enough, waiting outside on the porch with them for about a minute, I heard it. 
It is very hard to describe what it sounded like. It was like a woman in very severe distress, but higher pitched, and each scream lasted for about 10 to 15 seconds. It never sounded like it was saying anything, it just sounded like a cry of sheer terror. And it happened again. We tell the family we are going to investigate, so we just walk down to the creek since it was nice out. We hear about two more screams, getting louder as we approach the creek. By now, we're both kind of freaked out. There are two possibilities, someone is getting murdered slash maimed in the creek bed, or it's a wild animal. As we approach the creek bed, we hear no screams for about five minutes. We search around and find nothing, yelling at the top of our lungs for somebody to come towards us if they are there. Then, we hear the exact same scream behind us, exactly from where we came from. We get about halfway back to the house, and the scream comes so loudly it seems to be right next to us. We frantically shine our flashlights everywhere and find nothing, no eye glints of animals, no rustling of bushes, just silence. We trace our steps back, and the scream comes from around the creek again. This time, it lasted about 30 seconds and was much louder than before. Our retreat becomes a little more hastened. By this time, we were both scared shitless and verified with the family to call us again if they heard it. They never called again, and we got the hell out of there. I still don't know what it was. As an avid outdoorsman, I know no animal makes a cry like that, especially one that can move stealthily without being spotted by flashlights. Something else that weirded me out was that it was completely silent while the screams were happening. During summer in Wyoming, there is always some type of ambient animal sound, frogs croaking, crickets chirping, owls hooting, coyotes howling, etc., but there was nothing. Until we were leaving and the screams had stopped. Then a frog started croaking. It gives me the creeps just thinking about it still. Back when I was working as a cop on a military base, I loved working the night shift. We didn't deal with 99% of the BS that day shift dealt with, and what little stuff we did deal with was usually really interesting. Well, most every building on a base is alarmed, and the alarms are tied right into the desk, so we know the instant they go off. When we get an alarm activation, we close the base and go check the building. We pull on all the doors to see if we can get in. If we can, we go into the building and secure it, checking all the doors and corners to see if someone set the alarm off. Well, one night I was on patrol with my alpha, partner, and we got called to respond to an alarm activation at the elementary school. So we go, secure the building, and call in that the building is all secure. No problem, keep patrolling. So about 20 minutes go by and we get another alarm activation. We get back out there and check, and now there is a maintenance door open that leads into a boiler roomish thing. Nothing in it, so we close it, lock it, and get out. Another 20 minutes, and another alarm. We respond, all the doors are still locked and we can't get in. The maintenance door is locked. Call it the all clear. This time, my buddy and I sit on opposite sides of the school and watch to see if someone is coming and yanking the doors really hard to set the alarm off. We sit there and watch. Nothing happens, and right as we're about to leave, another alarm goes off. We inform the desk that we'd like the building manager on site to help us secure the interior and let us in. This is now like 3 AM, the building custodian shows up and we start doing a walkthrough, checking all the classrooms and all the maintenance rooms, and that's when we see one of the maintenance doors open with the lights on in the room. Now, this room is literally the size of a closet. We walk down there and look in. No one is in it and that door is locked when it closes. We looked inside and discovered a single footprint of a small child's bare foot made of water, left foot, to be specific. The living hell out of us because no one reported a missing child and the entire building was clear and still locked up. No one left, no one entered, and we checked every inch of that damn place, literally a three hour deep sweep, including ceiling tiles. We freaked the ever-loving crap out of us and, to this day, my partner refuses to go into that school. Speaking of which, schools are really spooky when they're empty.
I was a 911 dispatcher for about five years out of school. One night, I got a call from a lady at a residence in town. 911, what is your emergency? Is this the police? She breathed. She was freaking out. Heavy breathing, trembling voice Eve taken many calls like this, and from the sound of her voice, this was not going to be a routine call. I sat up straight and my heart started to pump faster. Yes, mom, what is your emergency? There's someone in my house. She trailed off very breathy and genuine, but not loud and freaking out. Okay, are you located at, house address? Yes. I dispatched the cars to start heading over to the address, and I don't give a reason yet. Okay, do you know who this person is? Well, no I don't, I think it's. It's. I know this sounds so crazy, but I think that there's a ghost in my house. She begins to sob and sounds so scared. There are noises, and I know there is a ghost in the other room right now. At this time, the sergeant asks me the reason of the call and why I sent him in two other cars without explanation. Normally you'd send one car to something like that. It's suspicious activity, I told him. What activity? He demanded over the radio, a fair question. Sir, the caller is claiming there is someone in the house and she believes it to be a ghost. Silence on the air for about a minute. 10 to 4 is all he said. By the time they got there, the ghost was gone and the poor lady was a freaked out mess, and she kept apologizing for calling us, but it was real, she kept repeating. The officers later told me that her sincerity actually freaked them out a lot and when they searched the house guns drawn even they were scared. My grandpa was a police officer back in the day. He worked on murder cases and did detective work in his later career. But this late night, he was responding to a call of suspected shots fired at an old abandoned house. My grandpa tells the story something like this, he and his partner were the closest to the house of everyone who received the dispatch call, so they made it there first. When they reached the house, they found the gate through the backyard forced open, so they followed through. They had fired, so they had their weapons drawn. As they approached the house, there was one unarmed man attempting to enter the house, which was locked. The man fled while my grandfather's partner chased after him. Here's the creepy part, my grandpa looked through the window of the house, thinking that maybe that guy was trying to get to someone on the inside. When he looks in, he vaguely sees someone standing and looking directly at him. My grandpa raises his pistol and says, police, don't move. Simultaneously, the man inside appeared to also raise his pistol. My grandpa says, now, I have never had someone draw his weapon on me. And I began to think, what if I don't shoot before he does? And the adrenaline was pumping. So, he says, drop the weapon or I'll be forced to shoot. The man stays still. Ridiculously still. My grandpa takes cover on the right side of the window and radios in for his partner, who has lost the man on foot. Before his partner returned, he popped back out from the right to try to advance, expecting the man to have gone away and found a place to hide. So, with his weapon drawn, he jumps out and looks inside. But when he looks into the window with his weapon drawn, there he is, still hazy and dark, and pointing his weapon directly at him. It's silent for what seems like forever. My grandpa shouts again, drop the weapon and get down on the ground. With adrenaline pumping, my grandpa says that at this point he began to believe it was a ghost because of how still it was. Then, he sees that the assailant is wearing a badge. This freaked me out, he said. Had my partner made it inside and was playing with me? Was this man impersonating an officer? Once more, he said, drop your weapon and get on the ground. And motioned with his pistol. The ghost man also motioned with his pistol. And at this point in the story, my grandpa says it best, it was a cotton-picking mirror. I got myself worked up over my own damn reflection. And that's the story of how my grandpa almost crapped himself over his own reflection. A guy calls around 1am and claims several people are running around his yard blowing slide whistles. I can't see anything, I just keep hearing it. Maybe the kids are just being kids. 
I was on my way when the dispatcher said the guy called back and said it may be radio interference causing the hidden transmitters in the house to make noise. What? So I get there, and this guy is clearly just a little crazy. He tells me about how ADT put recorders in his house and his neighbors are running around making this noise and he's losing sleep and so on and so forth. I'm mentally dismissing this whole thing and am beginning to try placating him when I hear it. Werp, from outside, to my right. A sound I'd never heard before definitely not a bird. I visibly react, and he goes, you heard it. I say, yeah, I sure did. He's extremely relieved, thanking God he's not crazy. I ask a few questions and hear it again. Werp, this time, more to the left. I ask if he's had problems with his neighbors, and he launches into a tirade about how people have always been out to get him because, despite the authenticity of this noise, the fella is still a bit unhinged. As I'm talking to him, whirp, the whole time. From the left, then behind, right, right again, left. Every 20 to 60 seconds. So I tell him I'll check outside. He's worried for my safety, but I assure him I'll be okay. I set off into the darkness in rural Missouri to investigate a fleeting noise I'd never heard before. I'm going slow, shining my light around. Off to my right. I'm telling myself I'm being silly. Ghosts, aliens, monsters, none of that is real. Straight ahead, in the darkness. I'm in the backyard now, looking towards the woodline when, whirp, it sounded like it was about four feet behind me. I scan around my hand on the butt of my pistol, feeling equal measures freaked out and stupid. I catch movement on the roof, scan upward, pistol half drawn. I hear it once more, whirp just. As my gaze settles on one of these sons of bitches. Whenever the wind blows them stupid. My mom was a police officer. She tells the story of an old woman who called the police almost weekly complaining that there was a ghost in her house. They'd go in, check it out, and tell her they couldn't find anything. One day, one of the guys on her squad gets dispatched to this lady's house. He busts in, worriedly, and asks if she has a two-liter bottle. She nods back solemnly with wide eyes and empties out a Coke bottle she had. I'm going to have to ask you to wait outside. It could get messy. She runs out to the front porch. The cop walks upstairs, lights up a cigarette, and blows the smoke into the two-liter bottle. He chills for a minute or two, then comes running out of the house, triumphantly holding the smoke-filled bottle, screaming, I've got the ghost. I've got the ghost. He threw it into the back of his crown vic, and sped off. They never got a call from the lady again. My husband and I went to a state fair, and someone stole my battery out of my car, a 67 Valiant. The security were off-duty cops, and one worked part-time at a parts store. So they were pretty cool and took us to get a new battery after hours. On the way there, they told us the story of a lady who would call about aliens in her yard. They were laughing about how they tied a knot in her fridge cord and told her the way the currency crossed. An alarm would sound if any aliens came within 100 yards of her house. Said they never heard from her again. I wonder to this day whether or not the aliens got her since she was lured into a false sense of security. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. While working for the state, I can't say I've had any paranormal experiences, but I've had a few while working in private security. I worked at one school where we lost, quit on the spot, one officer a month, midnight shift, in an old carriage house. In another building, there were old carnival people, nothing phases them, as janitors, who would walk up to the elevator and it would open. They would say, thank you. They'd walk into a classroom, the lights would come on, and they'd say, thank you. I tried desperately to see how that worked, to no avail. Finally, I asked them and they said the place was haunted. They had such a laissez-faire attitude towards it that I started saying, thank you when the elevator opened for me or a light came on. Our roving cranky boss was afraid to enter their cemetery, where security frequently met, nothing ever happened. At another very old school, we had too many buildings and too few staff, so we used sheets and flashlights, make-believe ghosts, in the attic windows to help keep the buildings secure from the resident students on the campus. We made up stories that grew. We'd leave large bones and dishes of water in the hallway. We had a bobcat tape that used to scare the students, and staff, pretty well. I've been spooked by a bunch of buildings, but I did them no harm, so the uneasiness didn't last long. I got to really like the night despite a few bad people, skunks, snapping turtles etc. I was happy to have them turn out most of the lights in the unoccupied summer months. I even hiked the mountains at night in winter with a moon solo. I liked working solo. In my office time, I used to sit on the roof, looking over the entire campus. In the summer, I'd bring my coyote to the campus. He never made a sound but would alert me if a, lights out, vehicle or walking person entered his vision from the roof. The students often called me a ghost as I tapped them on the shoulder as they were sneaking in a back window after curfew. I really didn't care what time they came in, but, in this instance, It was an all-girls school. I really didn't want them propping open doors and windows to the dorm. One time, they told me they were going to ring the fire alarm. I told them it would ring all night long and I wouldn't clear the building until morning. They never did pull it off and no one ever got hurt from all the wackos that tried. My neighbors called the cops once for what they thought was a break-in. One of the cops came over to my house and asked me a few questions. Did you see anyone suspicious in the area last night? Did you hear any noises? That kind of thing. The next day, I saw my neighbor out raking leaves, and I asked what had happened. Apparently, he heard voices in the kitchen and then the sound of something breaking at around 4 in the morning. I walked into the kitchen to find a set of plates that had been in the cabinet smashed on the floor. The cabinet was closed and all the doors in the house were locked. The guy lived there alone with his two daughters. One of them was walking and talking a little, probably two years old, and the other was maybe one year old, maybe. They couldn't possibly have done it. He was really freaked out and a month or so later, he moved out. A new couple lives there now, and they've been there for a year. No weirdness so far, or at least nothing to call the cops over. About six years ago, I responded to a call about a break-in. The house was in horrible shape, and it appeared to be abandoned. 
I stepped over the broken glass in the front room with my gun drawn. I could hear noises coming from upstairs. When I called for the person to come down, there was no response. I remember a thick layer of fog mysteriously being inside of the house, which I first mistook for smoke. It was a rather clear day outside, so I still have no idea how the fog got inside of the house. Anyway, I walked through the fog to the stairs, stepping over a red liquid on the ground. I'm guessing it was blood from something. It was splattered in the shape of a pentagram. At this point, I suspect that it might have been an intruder nut job who butchered the resident in some sort of cult ritual or something. I'm on edge, but when I tried to call for backup, my radio was dead. I kept hearing the noises upstairs, so I didn't feel as if I had a choice but to continue trying to apprehend the suspect who seemed to be up there. As I started walking up the stairs, the noises I was hearing grew louder, almost as if they wanted me to find it easily. It started out as a light rustling noise, but by this time it sounded like a sledgehammer. I can tell it's coming from the middle bedroom of the house. I yelled for the person to come out again, and this time they responded with laughter. The bedroom door was locked, so I kicked it in. I saw myself browsing Reddit on my laptop while lying in bed. My mirror image looked up and told me I was not, and was never, a cop. He said, I'm making all of this up because the responses here have been less than impressive so far on the net. I was shocked and frozen in fear. I don't remember how I got out of the house. I just knew that everything I had with me, my badge, my gun, my tree fitty, my hat, my baton, even my right shoe, was gone. It was a bizarre time, for sure. I might bring it up at the station one day, but I know the guys will never stop giving me crap for it. My uncle works for dispatch in my town, and he recently told my family about the weirdest call he's ever gotten. He says that he had received a call from a landline one night, and when he answered it, there was only static on the other end. This happened two more times. Finally, he calls a squad to go check out the address from the caller ID. When the cops got there and walked into the house, they immediately saw that there was a dead body inside. The person had been dead for five months. The craziest part about it was that there was no electricity or any other utility working. So there is no way they should have been able to get those calls into dispatch. But if they hadn't, who knows how long that person's body would have stayed there. As a law enforcement flight chief in the Air Force, I was called by my lead patrolman to assist him. I arrived and found my patrolman backed into a corner, his partner next to him. In a dimly lit hallway stood a very large guy, moaning and rocking back and forth. This guy was yelling out passages of scripture along with moans and groans and saying he was possessed by the devil. It's very horror movie-like. By now, I had called for a fire, an ambulance, and a chaplain. We continued to talk with this guy until backup arrived. This guy would randomly scream and yell. We scared the F out of us thinking he would attack us, but I knew the guy from around the base and always thought he was calm and cool. The chaplain arrived and started talking. This guy wanted to read some Bible passages. The chaplain looks at me and says he didn't bring a Bible. Plan B, I line up three firefighters, myself and a med tech with a syringe and a column. The plan was for us four to pin him down while the med tech sedated him. Luckily, this guy's wife arrives at home and says a few calming words and hugs him, and this guy just deflates and falls to the floor. An ambulance carts him away. See this guy a few weeks later and he's acting like nothing ever happened. I never found out why he acted the way he did. Weird. My mom was a 911 operator for a big city. She told me that there was this one lady who called to ask someone to come and make sure she was safe from the aliens. After her house had been checked, she was told not to call again. However, she still did, every night. After a week of her calling, some operator came up with a code. When the lady called that night, the operator would enter the code to allow a shield to protect her and her house from the aliens. All they really did was punch random numbers on the phone, but the lady never called again.
Over the last few years, in the vicinity of the old Sullivan Trail in Pennsylvania, there have been several reports by elderly people stating that their homes had been invaded by families carrying bundles of sticks. I am a retired officer, but my son is still on the job and lets me know when reports of a paranormal nature pop up. All the reports from different municipalities were very similar. Here is one my son handled. A lady of 95 years, very articulate, clear in her speech, living alone and definitely in charge of all her faculties, called in around 2 a.m. She stated that several people had broken into her home and were still in the living room. Needless to say, everyone available was there in a very short time only to find no one but the woman anywhere around. She sat down and told my son that she would understand if they thought she was a crazy old lady, but she heard something outside and went to look. She saw a horse-drawn wagon carrying a family of people ride up and stop in front of her house. They got off the wagon and all came into the house, sat down on the sofa and said nothing. They were carrying bundles of sticks. She then ran into the kitchen to call the police, and after she did, she went back and they left. Crazy old lady? Maybe a week later, while doing a courtesy run and talking to a neighboring town police officer, my son told him the story. To my son's surprise, the officer related a similar story from his town a week earlier. Since then, we have uncovered a few other similar stories from surrounding towns. Coincidence or paranormal? Here is the kicker. All were in their 90s but not ill or showing any signs of senility. However, after thinking this was more than a coincidence and checking back, all the people had passed on. We haven't given up, but nothing has popped up recently. Could the wagon have been the Pennsylvania Dutch's version of the coach de Bauer? Time may tell. I'm a police dispatcher and I know it's not what you wanted, but I've been waiting for a thousand years to tell this story. I got a call from a lady once a few years back who was convinced that there was a ghost in her house and that the ghost had caused a gallon of milk she had purchased the day before to go sour. I suggested to her that there might be a problem with her refrigerator and that even if there were a ghost in the house, there wouldn't be anything that the police could do about it. She got really pissed at this point and started screaming about how I wasn't going to send anyone to help her and that her life was in danger because there was a spirit trying to make her drink spoiled milk. I informed her that she should probably just throw the milk away, contact a repair man about her refrigerator, or, if she was really concerned about the ghost, a priest. She was super pissed, but I terminated the call then and there because there were other things going on. Calls like this make the job worthwhile, but no call taker slash dispatcher worth his or her salt would ever send an officer on something as ridiculous as a paranormal issue unless someone's life was actually endangered as a result of it, such as if the caller is legitimately mentally ill and likely to do something drastic. Okay. So where I'm from, the school sends kids to the police station, two kids a day for experience. I think I was eight when I got sent there with a friend. We had to stay behind this officer's desk all day. It was pretty boring, but anything is better than school for eight-year-olds. At around 11 a.m., the phone on the table rang. Now this wasn't a phone that rings when you dial the emergency number. My friend called one of the cops and he picked it up. He left it on loudspeaker so we could hear him talk. There was nothing on the other line except heavy breathing and sobbing. Then, after about 30 seconds of the cop asking what's wrong and who they are, the guy on the other side gives an address. Now I recognize this address, it was close to my old house. The officer said this isn't an emergency number, so they aren't going to do anything about it. After the day was over, we followed the address and it led us to this house that looked abandoned for at least a few years. As much of a pussy as I was, I didn't want to go, so my friend called his brother to go with him. After a few minutes, his brother was there, and he brought a flashlight with him. They went in, and I just waited outside. Moments later, I noticed this figure in the window. I could only barely see the face, but it was clearly staring at me. At this point, I just started running inside looking for the others. I told them what I saw, and we went upstairs and entered that room. There was nothing there. Then we just started running out of there. 
Here, about three years ago, we got a call about a breach of the peace in Croydon. The details were that someone was shouting and making noise in an old burnt-down pub, known infamously as the Goose. There have been rumors for years about the place being haunted, and there was an urban legend that the owner had committed suicide and taken his failing business with him. Naturally, my colleague Simon and I assumed it was just some local yobs or junkies making a racket and proceeded to the address. When we arrived, the street was quiet, but we still had to make sure that there was nothing else going on at the site. From one of the windows, Simon noted that there appeared to be someone moving around at the back of the old barroom. The building was closed and off-limits to the public, so now we had someone possibly trespassing. We both shuffled into the side of the building through a gap in the fence, and I remember calling out, is there anybody inside? No reply. Now we are certain it was a homeless person or otherwise, just trying to avoid trouble. As Simon pushed past a stack of burnt old tables to check the main area further, I had a look in the back room and could not believe what I was witnessing. There was an old man sitting in what looked to be an entirely undamaged area of the bar. He was sitting there murmuring something to himself. Sir? I said. He stopped. That face that turned to look at me, I will never forget. The man looked at me sadly and said, I need fitty. It was about this time that I noticed that the man was actually a 500 foot tall monster from the Paleolithic era. I will never forget that night. Not a cop, but one night, me and my grandfather, who lives with me, went shopping, leaving my girlfriend alone. I got a call from her 10 minutes after I left, and she said my grandfather was pissed off and moving furniture or something in the living room. I told her that he was with me and that no one else was in the house. She said that she heard someone moving furniture and walking around. So she locked her bedroom door and stayed on the phone with me until I got there. When I arrived, there were chairs knocked over, papers thrown around, and it generally looked like someone broke in. When I was pulling up to the house, she said she still heard whoever was inside walking down the hallway, so I got her out of the room and called the cops, my grandfather at the back door and me at the front to confront anyone that may try to escape, there is no other way to get out without us seeing. When the cops arrived, it looked like someone started in the living room, went down the hallway, and ended up in my grandfather's room, but they didn't find anyone, and there were no signs of forced entry, no broken windows, and no apparent explanation. The cops said it could have been an animal, but as far as I know, animals cannot open doors, my grandfather's door was shut, like always, and a few other things an animal can't do. Since nothing was missing and no one was in the house, the police left. I was in admin one night, helping some Leo's prep inmates for transfer, when a lieutenant came over the radio, all available to Gen Pop, we had inmates on the loose. Two state officers offered to help, and we booked it down to the North Courtyard. The prison was lit up like Christmas, and we surrounded the dorm in question. My captain was inside double-checking counts and IDs while the rest of the brass were in the other units. One of the Leos and I went around the pod while his partner went the other way, and we came up empty-handed. The all-clear was given, and my captain called me on the radio to meet him. The cadet in charge of the pod, who was a 5 feet 4 inches, 110-pound veteran of both the Marine Snipers and Army Special Forces, the Army has gotten pretty generic, had spotted a ghost outside the dorm window. I looked at my captain, and rather than respond, he turned and walked out of the dorm without a word. The Leos were outside pissing themselves with laughter. I told the cadet to file a oor on the ghost and turn it in to our major the following morning. The next day at work, I asked my major what happened to the cadet, and his response was the same thing that'll happen to you if I have to explain another ghost story to the deputy warden at 4 a.m. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I am not a cop. I was the one to call the cops. It was late one night, roughly 11 p.m. at my house in the cul-de-sac of a small suburban community. My friends just left. We were smoking some decent bud, nothing too extraordinary, but enough to make me crash out on my living room couch with all the lights on. There's a knock on the door. I have that nice haze you get from waking up from a weed nap. I go to answer and there's a shirtless, bloody Latino slash Mexican man leaning on the wall to the left of the door. He's been in a car crash, he said, and needs help. I told him to hold on. I go in and grab the phone. I head back to the door, dialing 911 into the phone. When I open the door, he was gone, and call. There is something that is missing in me to realize that a 911 call is instantly tracked and attended to. It's roughly 2 a.m. at this point. I'm on the computer when the police arrive. They stepped me out of my house to question me. I explain to them about the instance and they say there are no signs of a car accident. It's not a big community, so a car crash would be easy to notice. Then the female cop looks at me and just says, you know, sir? You are as high as a kite right now. The most cliche thing to be told by a cop. God damn it. It was too vivid and real. I definitely wasn't dreaming. I was either talking to no one or there was an actual being there. Both bother me. When my dad was a young cop, he and his partner got a call from someone who had a noise disturbance. Guy complained that there was noise and yelling, but he couldn't identify it from where. They walked in, and the place was tidy and orderly, but a couple of things stuck out, the 50-ish guy who lived alone had a tinfoil hat. Also, every picture in the place had their eyeballs cut out. Perfectly framed, on the walls, mostly of an older woman, his mom. But the eyes of the photographs had all been removed. Weird. Their solution, make sure there was tin foil over the outlets if they weren't in use. Windows were fine, but the outlets were a potential leak for the government mind control rays. I'm not a cop, sorry, but this is such a good story. My uncle grew up somewhere in the Midwest, I'm sorry, I can't remember which state. But one night when he got up to get water, he walked past the kitchen and all his mom's cookies had been eaten and the crumbs were on the ground. He went back to bed, and the next morning, his mom got mad at him for eating the cookies. When he explained that he didn't eat them, my uncle, his brother, his dad, and their neighbor all got shotguns and followed a literal cookie trail out to their cellar. They went down into the cellar and found an escapee from an insane asylum nearby. They called the cops, and it was in the papers. It wasn't particularly frightening for them because it had happened before, but imagine finding a man in an all-white jumpsuit rocking back and forth in the back, dark, corner of a cellar. So creepy. My sister-in-law moved into an old home in a mining town in the eastern U.S. that had been in her family for over 100 years with my now three-year-old nephew. He was one when they moved in. He had a door with a staircase that led to the attic, and he frequently talked about the man that sat in his rocking chair while he, my nephew, slept. My nephew knew this man's name, a relative who died many years prior and whom my nephew had never heard of, and said he wasn't angry but sad. My sister-in-law experienced her bed shaking at night frequently, and one morning, my nephew's door kept opening and slamming shut. She woke up to find my nephew sound asleep and the door slamming, 
and she said she yelled at the spirits to stop it and let her sleep, and they did. My grandma and grandpa have been pastors for over 50 years and were well known in their community for dealing with supernatural things. I asked her if she had any stories, and she told me that she was called to a house that the owners felt was hostile and dangerous. They were going through the house, and in one of the upstairs rooms, my grandma had visions of a couple fighting, with one of them being thrown into a window. The only window in the room was covered by curtains and when she opened them, the glass was shattered but hadn't fallen through. The new owners had moved in with it that way and hadn't fixed it yet. She also said that in this house there was a small linen closet that she opened and saw a small child crying in the corner. She turned around and asked the owners if the previous owners had a child, and they said they did and that there were allegations of child abuse and trauma. She turned to the child and said a prayer, and, according to her, the vision of the child disappeared. 